Hello, Jay here. If I could ask, could you give us a little five-star rate in Apple Podcasts? Go on, please. It won't take long. You can just do it now. That'd be lovely. And share the podcast. Tell your friends. Appreciate it. And on today's show, we talk to Phuket newbie and Russell's mate, Stan. English Stan only arrived on Phuket two months ago, but he has already fallen in love with the island and more. Stan tells us about his journey to Phuket after having served in the British Armed Forces in Northern Ireland, Bosnia, Afghanistan and Iraq, bouncing in Bournemouth and building an airport in the North Pole. Stan is now managing the awesome Soul Shack and he seems to have may have convinced me to come out of DJ retirement. Mm. Stan is a really super awesome guy. He has had one hell of a journey to Phuket and now he is writing a brand new chapter in his awesome book. We like Stan. He's just cool. How he's friends with Russell, I will never know. Anyway, enjoy the show. You two little cosy little little gym rats, your testosterone pumping out. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. It's my line. Oh, is it started? Welcome to the podcast. Has now. This is going to be a weird one. Why is it going to be weird? It, it just, it Are you just... nervous? You don't have to just pretend you're not here. Similar to some of the others I've done without you. Just We don't just not. <laughs> are you pretending you're not here? You're letting them pretend you're not here. Anyway, hi Russell, how are you? Are you still pretending you're not here? <laughs> This, okay, this could, this could be really <laughs> bad. This could be really bad. Yeah. Um, let's start with Stan. Stan, Stan, Stan. Richard? Can I pretend I'm not here? Could you no. be closer to the microphone? Oh, sorry, can I? Uh, yes, yes. Stan. Stan's Stan. good. Stan's good. Richard, um, my mum calls me Richard when I'm in trouble. His mum calls me Richard. His mum is in Russell's yeah. mum. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Russell's mum calls me Richard. you're watching in black and white. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Stan's cool. Okay, Stan's so cool. Let's, let's ask the question we ask everyone. When did you get to Phuket? Um, on the 7th of September of this year. Two months. Thank you. I was trying to work <laughs> out that. <laughs> I was going to say one month. I mean, actually, not. technically not even. I mean, we're not even at the two months so, mark. So you're a, a proper, you're our, our proper newbie. Yeah. I, I am. They a, don't get much greener behind the ears. Bit of a virgin. A bit, I, well. I, I, I very well, much well, doubt well. that. I very much doubt I that. I think part of the reason you're staying is because you're not. Mm, well. We'll, we'll get into that later. Oh, yes. Well, at least you will. That's exciting. <laughs> or probably already have. Um, she might be listening. No, no. I don't know who you're talking about, but if you are listening, hello. Hi, Kat. Oh, what? right. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so let's... Where are you from originally? Originally, um, from a suburb of Sheffield called Rotherham. Okay. And no one knows where Rotherham is, so I'll just say I'm from Sheffield, actually. So there you go. Born and raised in Sheffield. Okay. In... The ghetto, I suppose. In the ghetto? Yeah, we've got the, ghetto There's a song in there somewhere, isn't there? Didn't yeah. Elvis do? In the ghetto. Was it Elvis? I'm pretty sure it was well, Elvis. I'm not sure he based it, it on <laughs> Sheffield, though, to be fair. Or Stan. It's possible. No, I don't know. It's possible. No, council estate. You can call them back then. But yeah. Um, right, give us a read. Why did you come to Phuket? This is where uh, I leave. This is... Yeah, you need... Yeah. <laughs> good question. So, for 20, for 20 years... Um, my good friend here, Russell... Oh, sorry, 15 years, isn't it? You've been here. 
I see. I've been here 17. 17. Yeah. Known you for 20 plus yeah. something. So he's been asking me to come um, to Thailand, but I've always been busy and pretended to be busy because I didn't really want to come spend time with him generally. But um, no. Jay would understand that, to be fair. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine he would. Um, but no, um, I decided to come on holiday. Um, lost my father a couple of months ago and I thought this was the right time to come and relax and have a break because just life's been constantly busy for the last 20 years to be quite <laughs> honest so okay well let's track right back so born grew up in well, uh, t- in Sheffield Rotherham okay yeah Yorkshire uh, and you said so how did you get to know this reprobate um, Russell by the way well I'll have to I'll go back so basically I I took a, a break from my career in the military I took two years out and I worked as a doorman a bouncer right okay okay in Bournemouth and I went we just decided it was an easy number job-wise. It was I what could it. possibly go wrong. Yeah, and I had a massive ego. I was like 21 years old and thought I was super hard. And yeah, it sounds easy money basically. <laughs> and then I met this reprobate. He at the time was incredibly posh, well-spoken, private educated. Uh, I thought he might be able to kind of you know improve my standards of nah, nah. Yeah. But um, no, I met him there and got on really well. You know, kind of two opposite ends. Too well, or how well we're we talking? Oh, very well. Really? Yeah. We, you know, <laughs> it was kind good of. To know. It was kind of good in the fact. Was that, he? Yeah. yeah. Um, we cuddled a lot. <laughs> all right. Before we get into your cuddling, let, let's let, let's track right back. So, school all Rotherham. Y- yep. School all in, all in Rotherham. And then Oak. you mentioned the military. So, was that something you wanted to do as growing up? No, I wanted to be a sports teacher and. Um, basically, I was really good at sport. I'd done martial arts and I'd played uh, football. My dad owned a gym. My dad was a bodybuilder. He's a boxer. So I was always pushed into all that kind of environment. And I thought, yeah, I want to be a sports teacher. But um, I came home. I'd got into it. They opened a new sports college um, in Sheffield. And it was basically where the, the, the UK Olympics team and all that were going to train. And it was like the place to All right, don't pick yourself up. Just, just saying. And, <laughs> you know, I was like, I thought, cool. I was I, too good. I, <laughs> I, no, it's like, oh, they said I got the grade. So I went home, I ran home to my dad. And like I said, I did, we did live in an area that wasn't, it was suffering a little bit economically, you know. Um, it was quite a poor area. And I said, dad, I've got any sports college. And he went, that's great, son. I was 15 years and seven months old. And he went, you're joining the army. And that was it. He kind of foresaw um, the way that the area was going down and the people that I was mixing with were, were you know, they weren't bad people, you know, but... Just, a little bit naughty. A little bit naughty and, you know, he wasn't wrong, you know, years later. He foresaw where, where, we, where I was going and he gave me this option. And when you're a, te- when you're a teenager, 15, is a, he said to me, he went, you're joining the army. And I was like, but he went, find somewhere else to live. He was quite a hard man, wow. you know, and it was quite a terrified thought. Somewhere to live. At 15 and a half, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what my, my dad said to me, and I, I remember it vividly. I didn't know you could join the army at 15 and a half. 15 years and seven months old is the first day that you can legally join the army back then. It's probably changed a little bit now. Um, like most things in the military have changed, you know. Um, but yeah. And, and how did you feel at 15 and a half, 15, seven months, <laughs> thinking, shit, I've got to go to the military? That was the good word. That's exactly what I thought. I had, and I was terrified. I'd never, ever left the village at all. You know, we, as I said, our holidays were by the coast, you know, Bridlington, Scarborough, you know, Blackpool, perhaps Wales, Rill, 
but we'll not mention Real Madrid. A terrible. <laughs> we'll holiday. get to Wales later. Yeah, we'll get there later. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I never the first my first journey was to Edinburgh on the train. I'd never been on a train on my own ever. You know, my dad was very strict in the fact that I, I wasn't. He, he was trying to shield me from all those bad influences, but I wasn't allowed to stay out late at night. You know, but these where everyone else was, and it was I wasn't the cool. I, I was, I wasn't the cool one, and I was um, probably like really immature as well. So I'd never been on a train. I'd never been to Scotland for a start, and that was the first time I'd ever been out of England, Scotland. And so you had to go to Scotland to do your training. I went there to do the initial test to see whether I was good enough to join the military you know um what did they test you at 15 and seven months 15 it was um, go and shoot that person yeah exactly no it was all right <laughs> do you know what no russell <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that back then it was it was really really simple um it's a lot more complex now it was can i do the alphabet backwards that was the intellectual test are you drunk Am I drunk? No, not now. Yeah. That's a, so, <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's a test they do in America to see if you're drunk. What? Do the alphabet. You get pulled over by American cops. Just yes. pretend. Let's go to Texas. Ready? Texas. Yeah, I wonder where you went. Sobriety test. Mm-hmm. They make you walk down a straight line or yeah. you have to say the alphabet backwards. Say the alphabet backwards. I can't do it forwards. Uh, I'm, backwards. Yeah, I'm, asking right, to, um, I'm asking you dyslexic. Z- probably, do it forwards. You'll probably get it right. Z, Y. No, is it Z, V? Z-Vi. Uh, Z-Y-X. It's Y, not Vi. <laughs> anyway, I, happy birthday. I got you smoky bacon crisp. We'll talk about Thank that you. in a minute. Okay, so you had <laughs> to do the... In fact, I still know that as well. It's what, three. the alphabet backwards? The first bit, Z-Y-X-V-U. No, gone. That's quite tricky. Yeah, but that was the test. So that was that was one test. The other one was an eyesight test. And then the really complex one was, can I run a mile and a half in under 12 minutes? I ran it in... Seven minutes, 47 seconds. So that's a yes. All right, Richard, Ro- Richard Bannister. <laughs> Roger. Roger, thanks. <laughs> but no, no. Let me do that joke again. <laughs> and the irony about that. Hold on, hold on. Yes. Just, just say the mile thing again. Seven minutes and 42 seconds. All right, Roger Bannister. Did hey. It it better that time. I think it worked that time. Okay, good. Don't ask me to run it now. I don't have to walk it. <laughs> did you... You, you were so told, that was the first test. I but, did but, that. But you were told by your father to join the army. Yeah. And, and it was like, you have to. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God, I've got to join the army. But did you, was there any part of you that wanted to or that you were in? You know, as, soon was, as, I, as soon as I got off the train in Edinburgh for that test, I, I thought, you know what? It was the excitement of being away from home for the first time, you know, being around new people, um, diverse people. There was people that were 10 years older than me, you know, from Liverpool. I'd never... You know, and someone from London, and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing!" You know, because you, you, you lived in such an exotic, not erotic. You lived in such an insular world in in where I came from. You know, although it was diverse, you know, but we were all from Yorkshire, and we were all you know, drinking tea. Yeah, drinking tea and wearing flat caps and whippets and stuff. But yeah, um, so yeah, it was amazing, and I I, I I fell in love with it. I saw these awesome guys who were super fit. They looked like superheroes. You know, they were dressed in the combats, and they had all these fancy badges on it and it was probably like oh it's like being it was ace I fell in love with it there and then to cool. be fair and what was that journey like in the, in the military for me um, no for the person sat next to you that we're not interviewing <laughs> oh Dave I, I've interviewed you said Dave <laughs> <laughs> um, it was amazing to be fair um, I, sorry I, I, no, 
when you were, when they said yes to you, or you got the, the message saying yes, is that it? Do you pack your bags and you go and live on the barracks, or yeah, um, you get I basically back then you would get a letter because they didn't have emails and text messages. You know, they probably still don't in Yorkshire, but that's... <laughs> um, but yeah, um, got the letter and then you go and do the, the Oath of Allegiance and it's like this really proud moment of doing your bit for Queen and Country, you know, but also for your family as well. For me, because I was heading out into the big wide world and we'd never really left a village, you know. So yeah. And then I went to Purbright, uh, the Guards Depot, and down there it was amazing. It was hard. Oh, work. No, sorry, Purbright is. It's down south somewhere. It's past Watford Gap. I, I don't do when it gets. <laughs> I, love south, that. I don't Watford do south. Is the the line for yeah, north yeah. and south? <laughs> yes. See, I would say anyone north of Watford is a northerner, completely. And anyone <laughs> south of Watford <laughs> is <laughs> southerner. <laughs> Easy, Bournemouth boy. Yeah, yeah but he's a Bournemouth. He's, he's a gypsy. Him. He's not. Oh, for fuck's sake! Have you not heard this story? What about him being a gypo? He's a proper gypsy. He's pikey. Oh, I've heard that expression for ages. I got, Are you pikey? I, I got. You want, listen, ask him if you want to buy a dog. I'm not a do- sure we're allowed to say the word yeah. pikey. Dags, dags. You're He's on got Facebook, you're not. Are you not allowed to say. Oh, is that what you were kicked off Facebook for? for I, I got another two day ban. It was, this is a great one. I got a two day ban for calling him a fucking pikey. And the best part about this is. I got a Facebook message saying you've breached our code of standards, blah, blah, bullshit. And you've got an option then if from Facebook, you know, would you like to, to challenge our, our assertion here? I'm like, fucking yes, I know the guy. And then a day later, I get a message from Facebook saying we, we've reviewed your case and we've agreed with you. And yes, we've re- reinstated you to... He is a pikey. He is a fucking pikey. <laughs> off your pop. So Facebook know you're a pikey. That's brilliant. I haven't heard that expression for a long time though. Pikey. Pikey's great. Listen, that's wow. a good accolade, isn't it's it? Great, really? Absolutely. Facebook recognise that. Then. That's cool. <laughs> Facebook recognise lots of things. Well, you two have obviously got some stories, but we'll catch up on those. <laughs> I, I, let's do that. Let's finish with the with the okay. forces first. So you went down to some place down south yeah, to do when, your basic when, training. I'm yeah, assuming. I, I went to Purbright and uh, did my training. I was down there for eleven weeks, then I went and did some trade training, twelve weeks, I, and then I, I joined the Royal Artillery. And I, I was did like, did you have a choice of going to Royal Artillery, or was it? Do you know what um, they base it on the tests? You know. Um, so if, obviously I was quite good at doing the alphabet backwards, which meant I had a little bit of knowledge. <laughs> but no, they base it on a, a whole host of things. You could spell artillery, so that's one you meant to. I'll yeah, be screwed. Really <laughs> yeah, and one of the really good things is like my eyesight was okay at the time. So you can tell the difference between an inert shell and a live shell because that's quite, in, quite important. Well, one's got a turtle in it, one hasn't, I'd imagine. <laughs> For fuck's sake. No? Yeah. Is <laughs> that not a good... I thought it was brilliant. It's a bit, like, like, a bit like bomb disposal. You need to know what's a, you know, what's a bomb and what's not. But um, yeah, so yeah, I joined that. And then I kind of, I got bored and I thought I wanted some more excitement. So I went and did, there was a unit called Special APs, which is now, it's, it was, it's quite challenging. 21 week selection process. And it was run by um, guys from Hereford, you know, you know, you, you, on TV now you see all these people like Ant Middleton, same sort of thing, you know, but it was very different. It had its anonymity and um, no one knew a lot about it. No one knew the process. There wasn't even any information. They never recruited. I thought, you know what, that's kind of cool. Then I thought, then I realized that if you went and did this, you actually got more money, which was the, you know, you got, and you got promoted. I was like, I'll have a go at that. So... Off I went, I did that, and then, you know, my journey in the military was cool with them, and, and then I got a little bit disillusioned, to be quite honest, you know, things kind of changed, there wasn't a lot of conflict, you know, I went to Northern Ireland, I went to Bosnia, I went to Kosovo, 
you know, that was quite cool, you know, doing operations and stuff was, was very interesting. You know, I did a job where we was doing things like going after people, persons in dire for war crimes. That was a really cool job and flying around in a helicopter in Northern Ireland and going after, but you know, but also sometimes, I mean, I was 18 when I went to Northern Ireland and it was the first time I really experienced war and death and casualty, you know, I mean, I saw Steve Restrick in 1997, he was killed at the side of me and I was 18, you know, I celebrated my 18th birthday while everyone was on the piss, you know, back at home, you know, enjoying it, I was cold and wet in South Armagh. So it was one of those things that you reflect on, but like I said, those things stopped, the Northern Ireland conflict came to an end, that, that was kind of the catalyst, what, when Steve was killed was the catalyst for the peace treaty, you know, and what Tony Blair did and all the rest of it. Um, so that stopped, so you didn't there, you know, Bosnia became a really safe place, you can go on holiday there now, you know, Croatia was settling down, Kosovo was, I got sent to Cyprus because um, Turkey decided they wanted to deploy all their missiles mm. on the border. So I went there for a month and spent one week doing some work, the rest of it getting drunk. In Ayanapa. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And the irony about that is because we didn't come under the UN directive, at that time, the UN, all the soldiers doing the UN stuff were banned from Ayanapa. No, we weren't. So <laughs> we made full advantage of that. So, you know... There was no soldiers or squaddies in Ayanapa except the 12 of us, which was ace. It's a hell of a party town, Ayanapa. Yeah. Oh, God. Do you know what? Yeah, I can't remember much of it, but you guys have probably been there and I'm sure you've been there a couple just, of weeks there, yeah. Yeah, I did about 10 days there. Yeah. Remember, uh, remember Nobby? Yeah. Remember, it? yeah. Well, with Nobby? Yeah. But oh, did he... you can't just say that. We're... Did no, you have no, fun, no, did no you have fun with Nobby? Hold on a minute. Oh, you, you've not met Nobby yet. You should have no, him on. No. You need to get Nobby over here on here. Did Nobby when he came out? He hasn't been on the pod, but he came out here years ago. I I I know the name Nobby. I don't think I've ever met a Nobby. <laughs> what? You see, you're in a room with two of them. That's a bit harsh. Yeah, that's my son. Yeah. <laughs> I just met you, Stan. Calm down, mate. I mean, you're not wrong, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even so, Sorry, mate. Um, so, how long were you in the military for? So, initially, I did I did my five years. And I got out, I'm, like I said, I became kind of disillusioned with it all. It became relatively mundane. There was nothing going on. And then that's when I met this reprobate. So I decided... So you, took, you just went, do you know what? I've had enough, I need some time off. Yeah, I said, you know, so I did what they call PVR back, then, back in them days. You know, when I say I took a sabbat- sabbatical, I had, no re- I had no intention of going back, you know, at all. I kind of, I was done with it. Um, I came home. My dad didn't speak to me for six months because I left the military and I'd got this awesome career. And he knew that I was doing quite well. Um, and yeah, he didn't speak to me for 12 months, which was a bit. So now I was in this big wide world. I was in Sheffield and I didn't know anyone. I was in a, it was depressing. It was, you, you, you didn't have that excitement anymore, you know. And I got drunk and met a woman from Bournemouth randomly. And decided that I was going to go and Carmen Santana Martin. Funny enough, she'll probably be listening to this because mm-hmm. you know you know Carmen. Mm-hmm. And what's up, Carmen? Thanks for listening. Carmen? Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and I just took a random chance and I moved to Bournemouth, and that again was like being on holiday. It, you know, it was like I think Bournemouth was kind of the the, the tropical part of the UK. The Las Vegas of yeah, Britain, that, eh? Basically, yeah. yeah, it was. So that was two thousand ish, right? Yeah, yeah, two thousand, two thousand and one. And Bournemouth back in 
yeah late 90s early 2000s was especially in the summer it was hedonistic it was after the millennium i know when i yeah. came down there it was just carnage it yeah. was an absolute there were more pubs per square foot in bournemouth than anywhere else in the uk how long had you been there russell so i got to bournemouth 94 because i went to uni there and then i started working the doors 97 98 my last year of uni um and i was there till 2005 when i came here okay and then Stan rocked up at one of the doors and said, so, hello. Yeah, it was, that, that was, it was Jax, wasn't it? Yeah, Jax, yeah. yeah. First we were to, to Jax and... Well, just because of your military training, you thought, oh, doorman's the right thing to go and do? Not necessarily. Do you know what? Not really, no. Because at the same time, I had a job in HSS higher hiring out drills <laughs> in the day. And that was like, I was, I was making up some money, you know, it was extra cash. I never went, I, it wasn't like, I want to be a doorman and, you know, be talking to chicks and big macho and you know ego it wasn't it wasn't really about it, it was for me it was just extra cash you know um because it was hard you, you know i came out with a load of skills that were not practical for civilian life at all you know throwing yourself out of airplanes for example and not as know. a doorman obviously yeah but i mean where does no, that, do that with the panthers, i, I didn't need to do that with you know when i was hiring a drill out for example you know so it's like when i look back i made the wrong decisions i never came out with trade so if ever anyone wants to join a military get a trade um, but yeah, so I did that and, and I kind of found this brotherhood that I had in the military with these people because when the shit is the fun, you kind of back each other up. It was then, you know, it was a very tight group of people and they were properly vetted. It's like, you can take care of yourself, you know, you, whereas now you can go and get a, a license and you throw you on a door and you have to deal with a hundred drunk customers, you know, or a violent football hooligan or, you know, someone that's off the red on, on drugs and stuff. You know, these people back then were vetted and they were good. It was that brotherhood as well. Everyone backed each other up. And they're, and it was the same, like in the military, people come from backgrounds. I mean, he was at university, he's a teacher, you know, and, you know, I was selling, I was selling drills. You know, you had a guy who was a chef. Yeah, you know, things like that. Just a random group of people who came together to make people safe and to, that was always the goal it was never for him and I, I know this because I've known him a long time for him it was never an ego trip for the people that we were with it, it was to make people make sure that people had fun and also that we had fun as well doing it which was the difference because mm. I think there was an article wasn't there um in the Bournemouth press about how we kind of change things in the, the, the perception of security people we were fun, you know, we were customer safety. We wanted you to have a good time. Some of us were doing backflips mm. off stages and dancing. <laughs> Don't look at me, I was definitely but, not I was going to say, you can't do a backflip. No. Especially um, roly-poly, probably. I, I can't even dance. But in all fairness, if, if I picture back in the day, a doorman or a bounce or whatever you want to be called, it, you two are not in any way, shape or form what I would consider a bouncer. And that's the that's, point. Yeah, exactly. yeah no. Yeah. And, and, you know, you think of these big meaty guys with shaven heads who just want to be, look at me, I'm the big I am, I'm a big geezer, and I'm going to knock you out, and I'm running this place. And part of, part of that is the, when you've got those drunk punters that come up and they see these big meatheads on the door, especially if it's a group of lads. And in, in Bournemouth, you used to get stag do after stag do, plus you've got the student population there. It was just... There's a lot of ego. You know, give, a, give a bunch of guys a few tequilas and all of a sudden they're the hardest people on the planet. So they go up to a door and they see this big 
meathead shaking a bloke on the door. Can I just say, when I have tequila, I don't get very hard. <clears throat> Good to know. Thank you for that. Um, can we move on? Yeah. So they see this bloke on the door and everyone's like, oh, I could fucking take him. I could have him. Yeah, we can, I could knock him out. They see him and I on the door and they kind of think, well, I could ease, I could steamroll past that. What the fuck's that doing there? But then there's, there's always that little voice in the back of someone's head that kind of goes, yeah, he's there for a reason. The little ones are the ones you watch. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he's there for a reason. Always look out for the little ones. Yeah, so why are you looking at me? I'm not. Because <laughs> he's got bigger. Like, oh, I'm in trouble now, aren't I? This yeah. is the point. He has got bigger. <clears throat> not in every way. Uh, me. Yeah. Have you looked recently? He's got he, has, actually. he hasn't got ginger, though. That's on, no, that's Oh, no, that's still on, on the pubes, though. Oh, still yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? You see them hanging out. He's got like spider's legs when he's got his speedos on. You just see these ginger spider legs. I, I, like I live with him. <laughs> I live with him. It's not good. It's not pretty. Oh, my God. Do you know is this is this a, I, We haven't got to that stage yet. I didn't realise you two are together. <laughs> oh, fantastic I mean, not news. In the, not in the biblical great. sense. Well, Why not? Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Don't knock it. So you did, how long did you do <laughs> Straight away, straight into it. So, well, how long were you um, dormant in for? I did that um, for two years. And then um, 9-11 happened. And... I'm I, assuming you didn't do that. No, okay, just no, checking. but it's like, like oh, yeah, you know, no, so I had to go and you know. Yeah. No, I mean, I had to go undercover. So I kind of, I, that, I remember watching it in my my flat. Mm. You know, again, I was disillusioned again. I, you know, I was working days and nights. Yeah, it was fun. You know, it was cool. And but then nine eleven happened, and I thought, like everyone else, I went fuck. The world's going to change. You know. No matter whether you were from the military or you were a civilian or whatever, as you saw that you know that massive loss of life, and you thought, like the world is going to change, and I, I remember saying yeah. that, and I was still, at the time I was still a reserve because when you leave you're a reserve for five years, and I saw guys that I knew that I'd served with as soon as that happened they were flying into Afghan. And I went, I need to be a part of that, or at least in some way, shape or form, be a part of that. So I made that dramatic. Can I just ask, at that stage, and I, have not, I don't think I've asked you this before, actually, was that call to go back into the military life a personal, for me personally, I want to go and do my bit? Or was it a case of, I know more of my brothers are going back into conflict because of it, and I want to be part of that? group yeah being in the military is not about who you're fighting it's about the guy next to you that you're fighting with exactly you know a lot of a lot of those people to me you know they were heroes to me and I wanted to be with them Mm -hmm. and I fucking wasn't never was and never will be but I saw that happen and my brothers were going and you know immediately I was getting but we now had mobile phones so we could have text messages and you could communicate better and you know I was getting that message do you know such and such has been shot killed i was like fuck i need to go and do you know you need to go and do this and the, the military had been such a been such a quiet place for a period of time there were guys that that didn't have any experience in that they never been to northern ireland and experienced you know death you know conflict mm. that was and this was that type of war people don't realize this wasn't a war initially you know in iraq it was where you had people in uniforms but then it was the war after that that we were we were trained to do. Mm. We'd been doing it for years, for 20, 30 years in Northern Ireland, a guerrilla war. That's what was coming. And I foresee that. So, you know, that was it. I, I went back and 
ended up doing what I was doing. And I never really left that place. If you go to Iraq or Afghanistan for a considerable amount of time, it never leaves you. It's part of you. You know, it's in your skin. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to be poetic because I'm not a poetic person. I'm, and I'm not Aunt Middleton. Hmm. We'll get onto that later. I can't stand him, but that's another story. <laughs> I don't know who Ant Middleton is. No, you don't, 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 don't say oh, okay. he, he, he wasn't, was he? Well, yeah. He, wasn't. he was SBS, yeah. but that's another story. Turned author, turned TV. Turned egotistical. I met him in Saddam Hussein's palace in, in 2003. He was a knob then. But um, that's another story. But yeah, I went and, and that was so, a thing. So how long did you go to Afghanistan for? I spent the next... I spent the next 10... 10 years between Afghan, between Afghan and Iraq. Um, so I went back, I did what I did, and then I transitioned into working for the US State Department, the Department of Defense. So what I was doing as a soldier, I was now doing as what they call, they called it a private military contractor back then. And basically you did the jobs, that the world was changing, a lot of people in, in were getting offended by the wars in Iraq because they were mm. prolonged in Afghan. So politicians knew this, so they invested in private military companies because they knew that these guys didn't come home in a flag draped coffin. That wasn't bad for politics, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, they were getting paid a decent salary with all the skills that they got years of experience in the military where they were getting paid peanuts. Now you give them a lot of money to do the exact same job. And back then it was a kind of a free-for-all because, again, you were, fighting, you were actually fighting an insurgency as a private military contractor, which... So, sorry, let me just get my... Oh, go on, Before you do to that, just a, a little segue note. When we, when we were working the doors, we were kind of at that, that hand over that cusp of the old school thuggish doorman that was just like the biggest guy in the village that could just stand on the door and kick people out. And it transitioned from that to being more of a regulated authority body that people would register to be. And as you've alluded to earlier, we, because we were at the cusp of that, we were working with a bunch of people that were a bit more old school and it was more of a brotherhood. It was more of a team and we, we backed each other up. You had, you shared skills, you knew the weaknesses and strengths of everyone around you. And then it was coupled with just new people like, Oh, Hey, I can go to the council. I can get my dormant license and be a dormant tomorrow. That's, and it's a job. And there were other companies that were set up and hiring people to do just that. And because they had their badge, and these other guys didn't because they didn't pass a test or they didn't have the right background or what have you. We now had a bunch of guys available to work that just didn't have the skill set, that didn't understand what it meant to work on the doors and equally didn't understand what it meant to be part of that, that brotherhood, for want of a better term. And, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to um, delegitimize the military in this. It's just from, from my experience, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the question then for you is, you were at a similar sort of uh, contrapoint, if you like, from being military-based and having what, everything that you know about the military to now all of a sudden it's more of a private enterprise and perhaps dealing with people that weren't of a military background and suddenly thought, hey, I can get a great fucking payday out of this just for picking up a gun and going to Iraq. Yeah, I've got a big ego. Why don't I go and do that? How did you find bridging that particular gap? You see, initially... Um, these organisations were already there. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever read a book. Um, by no, never. Well, never. 
Um, Did it have pop-up pictures? <laughs> There's a book. And little slidey tabs. There is a book called um, The Featherman by Ronald Fiennes. And the government never said whether it was legitimate yeah. or not. You read the book, it's pictured as fiction. If you know that it, there was a movie about it as well, they yeah, yeah, yeah. and they renamed it something really Hollywood like Killer Elite with Jason Statham. No, 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 no. It, it, it was um, it was called Killer Elite. Uh, trust me, I know. I think there's going to be an argument soon. No, uh, no, Google you, you, it. I know, no, you're right. I, there's a there's a couple of films, but The Featherman, yeah, 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 it's oh no, yeah, they, they yeah, sorry, the book, the group that's in, yeah, yeah, you're it's right. Called yeah, yeah. The, it's called with Thingy's cousin, Killer Elite. Statham, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Paul Yates's yeah, yeah. cousin. Yeah. Do you not know? Has he not mentioned Paul yet? Suppose no, he wouldn't know. Oh, you don't want to. I'm sorry. I've, I've I just switched off for about five minutes. That's all right. What yeah. you're talking about Ralph Fiennes. I'm still trying to work yeah, out. Right. Isn't he an actor? So go back to what you said before. Right. You were asking me the question. I'll answer the question. Yes. So in the early days, it was an old boys network. So the reason I got the job was because I knew a colonel who I'd worked with, and he said, you know, here's a really good job. Here's lots of money. Then all of a sudden, the government's investing in these companies, and what you're saying happened there became this massive explosion in they needed bums on seats and they needed people who were inexperienced they were unqualified anyone they were fucking dangerous and i can i can guarantee that they were um and that's when it became a crazy place where again people were being harmed for no fucking reason you know um it was unprofessional it was unregulated and it wasn't a really cool place to be can i ask a question um yes again you did your five-year stint mm-hmm. to start with, two-year sabbatical where you met douf- douchebag here. Mm-hmm. It's a bit harsh. Douchebag? Mm. Oh, I could have said worse. But to be fair, you yeah. have. Um, and then you did 10 years mm, doing ten. Afghanistan and Iraq. And then you then did your... No, I did another five years in the military. So, yeah. And then I basically transessed in 2000 and... Tran- transition? S- transition. Yeah, I think yeah, so yeah, that yeah. word transition. All yeah. right. No, I can't spell. Um, got fucking two of you here. Jesus. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Mr. Punctuation here. It's all right. Wait until, wait until the teacher gets onto it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Don't worry. You know, like, yeah, yeah, you know where I'm going with this, Jay, don't you? Yeah, no, but let, okay, let me rephrase my question. So, okay, so you mentioned before that your old man was yep. a bit pissed off that you'd left the army and didn't talk to you for 12 months. Then you go back into the army. Yeah. So I'm, say, I'm assuming that then he went, good job, son. Oh yeah, do you know what? My, my dad loved it in everything that I was doing. He was, my dad, again, was, was a hard man, but never left the village. Worked down the mines, you know, all his life still. So I was coming back with all these stories, you know, which I could go and sit and talk to my dad mm-hmm. about privately because he wouldn't know that, what I was talking about. But he was like, wow, this is cool. How did he feel when you went, I'm going to leave the army again, or the, the, the forces, sorry, and go to the private sector? He was fine to because be it was still yeah it was still, still I, doing I, I was still doing, I was still I was still in conflict I was still around the world you know because I, th- I think that was part of what my dad liked the fact that we were doing I was still doing the right thing you know for me in my yeah. head I was still going to do the right thing you know I was going to protect people and help restructure a country rebuild it that was in my I was going to do the right thing um, so yeah I mean my dad was cool about it you know and he saw that but that also offered the thing that gave it also gave me a good home life because I'm not going to lie you know I was 25 years old and if you're taking £10,000 a month a month at, at 25 mm. which again had its negativities because at 25 you have no idea how to manage that money or what to do with it apart from buy stupid cars buy an ego 
you know, and, and I never invested it properly. But anyway, my dad saw me having a good life. I bought a house when I was 25, you know, a lovely thatched cottage in, in workshop. Workshop's not great, but the thatched cottage was all right, you know. But um, it's true. You never been to workshop? No. Don't even know where it is. Not a name. Oh, it's north of the Watford Gap. There you go. Um, Don't need to know yeah. It, do we? So, I mean, my dad was happy because, again, at the same time, <laughs> here we go. I'd met a lovely woman, the first time I'd had a real relationship because I never had time for that. I was dedicated to, when I was in the military, I was dedicated to being a soldier. You know, I had no time for normal things, which is it's kind of sad, really, when you think about it now. You know, I'm, I'm 43 and reflect on it. You know, I never really got to enjoy life and, and girlfriends and partying and all that. I was just dedicated to doing that, you know? And again, so I kind of, dad was happy and my parents were happy. They were proud, you know? And, and that's all I can ask for. So when, yeah. I, when you ask about achievements and things, making them proud, you know, I'm welling up now. I just told you about my emotion. No, no, but so, I think it's um, interesting because I think it's really important to understand that because I know that when we first started talking, the first thing you, you mentioned why you came here was because of your old, you know, your old man had passed away, so he was looking for mm. things to do. So, you know, I just wanted to know, and then he didn't talk to you for 12 months because you went to be a doorman with douchebag here. Um, yeah. I can imagine I wouldn't I mean I'm surprised I'm talking to you now I've met you that you know him to be fair it's, I mean this is the last podcast we're ever doing <laughs> so I just thought we'd get it out there is because, it? yeah 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 because now that you two know each other I mean I can't be bothered anymore I'm, I'm over it all really see so you going out to your gym sessions and you know all that sort of stuff anyway you know I won't put my emotions out there a little bit <laughs> going back to you do you, want, do, you want, do you want one of these? no no no, no. I mean you earn a lot of money and you're sitting there drinking that horrible stuff yeah. um, how long did you do the, the, the I was about to say the contract how long will you do a contract killer for yeah. well, that's not the word I wanted to use how long were you doing the private how long were you a mercenary for yeah, yeah. We were just, just, um, but also on, on top of that is who manages what you do or are you just protecting certain how does it work I don't do you know what understand. <laughs> We were contracted to, um, one of the jobs I had was actually protecting the Japanese army. Yeah, that's right. Japanese army in Iraq. They went, I don't know, basically I, we protected them. I was a civilian. They were soldiers. They were in the war. And my job was to protect them. Protect them. Like their compound area or like on patrols? Their, their, trans, their, their transport transfers, from, yeah, from, from Kuwait to Iraq. Yeah. Um, and then obviously any equipment they needed, if they were going back to Kuwait and go out and leave, to protect an actual army. They were in armoured... The funny thing about this is they were in brand new armoured cars, right? You know, Mitsubishi, you know, probably a, a million quid. And I was in a clapped-out Nissan Patrol with no armour on it <laughs> and an AK-47. Sorry, that's we got, yeah. And they, yeah, and they had all this wonderful kit. Yeah, you had an AK-47, best gun in the world. Yeah. Weapon. Don't say gun, that's terrible. Gun, gun, <laughs> oh, that's, God, I hear it all coming <laughs> out now. Anyway, but yeah, that was one of the, but yeah, and then one of the projects... What's the difference between a gun and a weapon then? A gun, a gun is something that fires a shell. Right. Yeah. Well, like a turtle or any, yes. any shell. Yes. Or you could have, uh, well, shell. Like we could say a uh, 105 millimeter shell, you know. What's which, a, okay, a shell. A 155. But what's a shell compared to a, a bullet? A shell is what contains trinitrotroluene. Right, okay. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah, and then you've got the charge... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The weapon. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big term. The weapon. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's a weapon. 
This is a fucking weapon. I've got a weapon in my pants. But you never refer to a, pers- a personal weapon as a gun. Okay. Yeah. It's Not even the, a little side, like a little no. Magnum 44? It's... <laughs> You do look a bit like Clint Eastwood, to be fair, isn't that what you are? Uh, yeah. I've got a look about you. Have I ever an Eastwood look? Yeah. Yeah. No, he really fucking does. <laughs> he has. Anyway, no. where were we? Back to you protecting the, the Japanese with your weapon. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, so a weapon. Yeah, you've got anything that's a personal weapon. So AK-47. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I get the weapon right. thing now. Yeah. Anyway. I'll and never then, call like, it a gun again, I another, another, like I said, another, another contract was... Def- uh, protecting the US Corps of Engineers. Random. You know, bomb disposal people, civilian, protecting them. Be careful with that, lad. Be careful. But when did it naturally come to an end? For me. Um, For the bomb. Well, I got blew up <laughs> three times. It was like, what changed my attitude towards it was I had children. You know, um, I met my, my second wife. And we, I had kids and I thought, you know what, I, I'd got so used to this. I, we were discussing this in the car earlier really, where I had this mentality where I didn't, I, every time I went away, I didn't care if I came back. I really didn't, do you know, because it was just me. Yeah. You know, I knew that my dad would be okay. In my mind, I knew he'd be okay. If I can, I'd be devastated. Like, you mm. know, he, he'd lost his son. But in my mind, I knew they'd be okay because they've got my brother, they've got his son, so they've got grandchildren. That's how I worked it out so you rationalised it yeah, yeah that's how I rationalised it um, but then when I had Tallulah and Violet my world changed you know and that was what put a stop to that part and then I thought well I'll need to do something a little bit less hostile so I decided to chase pirates for a bit ooh yeah Somalia yeah Somalia um, Sri Lanka strangely mm. enough Malacca Straits Malaysia um, all the way down to Tanzania because it was pirates. Nigeria pirates operating off there. Uh, did that for a little while. It was interesting, you know. That sounds really cool. Although, I mean, I have this vision, obviously, in my head of you chasing a buccaneer ship going across and firing your cannons. Uh, am I allowed to call it a cannon or a big, a big weapon? <laughs> it's I'm a not big sure. fucking big, weapon. A big you weapon with a ball in it. But I'm assuming we're talking about the, the Somalis type pirates, which yeah, are the ones yeah. in the little boats that come running up to try to take the tankers. Yeah. And then say, yeah. right, give me a million quid or more because they're all insured. So and the insurance company said, yeah, absolutely, because we don't want to do anything. Yeah. But the, if you go back to your statement about it was very draconian in the early days um, because it wasn't, again, it wasn't a big business. You know, corporate business, corporate enterprises weren't making a lot of money off it. So it was old boys network again. Everyone knew everyone. However... International law said you couldn't have weapons on a vessel. You know, mm. weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a gun, but not yeah. bigger. <laughs> so, so what you would do is, you know, you had then had to use your... In, there was no oper- standard operating procedure for this. You know, there was no... No one had a book that we could refer to. You know, how do you basically fortress a ship, a, a merchant vessel, you know, with a seaboard of 25 metres, whatever. So it was basically, you fudged it, you winged it you know, covered it in barbed wire, you know, got barrels and hose pipes full of water across the... You, you MacGyvered the shit out of it. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's... <laughs> yeah. The, that's <laughs> I just made it alone. <laughs> right, little paint pots, and when the Somali pirates try to come on, this paint pot just comes... Well, you put Hot Wheels on the floor so they fall over. <laughs> but it, yeah, Lego everywhere. Yeah. But Lego. even that, <laughs> like, he's actually right, like, home alone. So we... One of the... This is another true story, right? We got attacked by pirates 
and <laughs> batteries, right? If you were work on vessels and uh, double you know, D. Double D, yeah. the big the square ones. You made them put their tongue on both yeah, sides. Yeah, yeah, the ones with the, yeah, you know the ones with the springs on it. <laughs> Does it work? Oh, be right. no, we actually repelled a skiff, which is what they call it, with batteries, just flowing batteries off the bridge wing. Right, they came up, and the way that uh, Somali pirates like fucking hurt. Yeah, quite, absolutely. Yeah, Somali the way Somali pirates work is the youngest one, the most inexperienced one, is the one who has to get on the ladder and get yeah. on the boat. So they're the ones. <laughs> so basically, it was batteries and a fire extinguisher. He had an AK forty-seven, and we won <laughs> with batteries and a fire extinguisher. If you get hit by a fire extinguisher, I no, mean, he didn't. No, that's the thing. Blast so <laughs> they came down port side. We went starboard side. I had left and right. Fi- well, I, you should know this. I do know this. <laughs> so I, I had the fire extinguisher. My mate Dutch Patrick, who hopefully might listen. Where's to he me. from? Uh, Holland. Okay. Yeah. But he's in Greenland at the minute. That's okay. another story. And um, yeah, so we were basically, he was throwing batteries at them from the bridge wing. And then the guy got up, the, the hooked on by the time I got there because I was lazy getting down. He came up and then used the fire extinguisher, sprayed it in his face, <laughs> hit him with the battery at the same time. And then he fell down and went straight underneath the vessel. Now, that you'd was, like to think he popped up somewhere, but who really cares? He probably didn't prop up anywhere. The interesting story is, again, you know, I wanted to do the job professionally. So I remember it was a Korean ship at the time. So I went, hey, you know what? We need to report this to the IMO. And I went to the captain. The captain went, no, too much paperwork. And that's (laughs) when I realized there was a lot more piracy going on that was ever reported, Mm. you know. And then they introduced, there was some formality with like NAV4 and they introduced weapons. And then piracy just died. And then I had to change my career again. You know, the money died and the, the, the pirates had decided to go into selling coke or something. I don't know, whatever they were doing. Cocoa beans, T-shirts, <laughs> you know, instead of hijacking boats. Mm. And uh, yeah, so then I just, I worked as an advisor, a security advisor for the, <laughs> the European Police Commission. That was an interesting story. But got, got arrested for arms dealing. Yeah, I can say that. I wasn't an arms dealer, by the way, but allegedly, I was working. I was working for child the... trafficker, but not an yeah, arms. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah child trafficker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have a word about that later as well. Child trafficking. That's all right. <laughs> Don't ever add me to groups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ever, ever, I, yeah, add yeah. Me, <laughs> ever add me to groups. It's a bad idea. Uh, I know. You know, considering my boss, my not my current boss is in there. You know, doesn't know me that well. You're lucky. Not. There was a. I I was very careful, and I. I back, yes, yeah. I stopped myself. Did, did, he, did you send things. him a secret message? No, no, no. I had one ready. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so where have I got to? Um, what was I saying? I forgot now. You, were, you, you got arrested for arms. Oh, training. yeah, yeah. I, was, I ended up working as a consultant for the European Police Commission in Afghanistan, um, basically helping, doing what they call hostile environment awareness training. So they getting the police to operate in a hostile environment is interesting. Also teaching... Um, defensive driving, you know, to which I found this immensely amusing, <laughs> to traffic cops from the UK, because <laughs> if you you know traffic cops, I've, they are they're not my favourite people, no, but they kind of bounded out here and like you know I'm a, I've I've been a traffic cop for twenty years, so I know how to drive a vehicle, all well and good, right? Try driving a, an armoured G wagon that's two hundred twenty five thousand mm-hmm. pound, the same way you drive a BMW down the M1. You know, cross country in Afghanistan. Not the same, mate. But why are the 
So the, police going to Afghanistan? Because the what European... What's finds to hand out? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, is it the speed cameras and stuff? No, no, no. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Some of the cars haven't even got wheels. It's like <laughs> three wheels, but... Yeah, they, they basically to teach and, and try and westernise the Afghani police. That's why they went there, which obviously failed miserably like everything else we did there. But um, yeah, so... Let's not go down that route. No, let's not. It's politics. Yeah, so. let, let's move on. Yeah. So you ended up going back to the UK then at some point? Yes. So I went back to the UK and um, I decided to work for the National Health Service. One of the, I, I'd become a, an expeditionary medic as well. That was, I did that in my time while I was working in the Middle East and Africa. It was the thing to do. And, you know, so I did that with the Royal College of Surgeons. And Sorry, an exhibit, exhibition, not exhibition, ex, expedition go, medic. Thank you. So if, so, you go so, and, so if someone was going to Everest or wherever, yeah, or Kilimanjaro, you yeah. would go as the as a medical pro, expert? Yeah. Not a paramedic, right? So don't get that confused. You just had a plaster and a bandage. Well, you can basically as a as a remote medic, you can administer drugs. For example, you may have wicked man. What did you have? You you emox. You'd like emox. Would I? Yeah, a bit of emox. Okay, Um, not to be not to be confused with an ewok. No, Um, although he'd probably like that too. Oh, I'm not that keen. No, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. That was a bit. Blah, 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 blah. Return of the Jedi Ewoks, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah. No, I think I like that one. Oh, there you go. not like the others. Don't well, get me started on Solo. Oh, oh, Star Wars. Jesus Christ. Are we going to that Star Wars party? By the way. All right, you two. Let's talk about it off air. You're invited. What Star it's Wars? It's a party? kids' party. Your point is. Who's invited? Cupcakes. I've not been invited to any Star Wars party. Was no, I? You was in the group. Was I? Yeah. yeah. Try to keep up. Yeah. Where were we? Oh, yeah. So basically, and the thing is, because it, you had top cover from the Royal College of Surgeons, if you had a mate, the whole point of it is to stabilize a casualty to be extracted. So that might be, whereas you might get an ambulance in the UK in five minutes, 10 minutes, probably not in Thailand. I think it's a bit longer, isn't it? Well, you probably get them there pretty quickly. Then the squabble over who gets the body. That takes another 10 minutes. I don't know, you've got to take 15 minutes, take some pictures and upload them onto Line yeah, and Facebook yeah, first. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Basically, to, to stabilise that severe casualty, so you may have to carry out minor surgery as well. And you'd have to have top cover, so you'd basically have a doctor on the phone, right, <laughs> saying this is what you need to do. Glue that bit, staple that bit. That bit you've already done the training yeah. for, but, you know, if you've got major hemorrhaging, you know, if and you, you're in an Arctic environment and you need to... You, you may have to remove certain elements of the body, you know, limbs and whatever. You 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 gonna have to have someone on on it. So you'd have a doctor, and Talking that's why it was it. endorsed by the Royal College of Surgeons back then. Um, a bit like offshore medics. I know there's a lot of people in Thailand that do offshore medics. Mm-hmm. They do exactly the same thing. You know, they have to stabilise the casualty before they get to the hospital. Again, um, they're amazing people. I wouldn't want to do it because it's on an oil rig and you know offshore. You know. But yeah. They're, they're amazing people. What too. happens offshore stays offshore, I Exactly, think. and that's the thing. Mm, you know. It's a bit like deliverance, I think, it's offshore work. It's a bit like living in Russell's house. <laughs> is that like deliverance, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's okay. a bit harsh. Get the banjos out. So there's only banjos in my house. <laughs> what? Have you, have you, listen, I'm, when you play with your banjo... <laughs> I'm not sure he's playing with his banjo. I think he plays with her banjo. No, I think she plays with his banjo. Have you both got a banjo? I think so. I don't no, I live in banjo. Ah, <laughs> good one. Did you? I did, don't did, live in did he just say that? Like, does he know who it is? Does he know? Yes. You, do you know what? What? I've met some brave men in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really brave people. She doesn't listen. Trust me, she doesn't listen. 
but just in case she does allegedly <laughs> plays with his banjo have we covered ourselves now da da yes da. okay good let's move on swiftly um yeah so there you go um, so back in the uk worked went to work for the nhs um in a and e and worked through the whole covid process and that i mean to be fair again one of those groups of people where there's a brother they're amazing people you know and particularly when covid hit we were getting hammered you know the nhs was getting hammered those people those you nurses. should be drinking i was just, yeah, just going to say and not in a good going way. on i mean i know you're having a beer or two now but have you I met mean, have you ever have you ever worked with nurses female nurses on a night shift uh hold on you think mess around with a few student nurses at Bournemouth yeah, oh, yeah, did you yeah. I don't think I've ever been with a nurse a beauty therapist was my mate as a student at uni if what was his name if there's anyone listening John if there's anyone listening he's a big guy he's like a bear loved him oh my god that happens to be at university <laughs> pounded me sorry what if you're listening and you happen to well no if you, if you like a drink I can honestly say I would find yourself a nurse because they know how to cure a hangover okay they will, rig you up, they will rig you up with an IV the following morning, and two hours later, you, you're good to go. We live in Phuket. We just go and get an IV from the f- local pharmacy. <laughs> that's, 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 oh, yeah, they do that. There's yeah. actually a business yeah. that, that does that on a Friday. Yeah. Did you, Which was, is a bit... Did you see the one on... Sorry, minor segue. Someone on the Phuket expat page, um, plug for you guys, uh, mentioned that the other day. Is there anyone here that can administer IVs? We've got a party going in, in the weekend. That's, yeah. Yeah, which is like, what the f- Well, surely people do. Yeah, I know. It's just... It's just I mean, that, that's... You're proper planning ahead and you are proper planning a I good mean, night out. those stupid tablets, those B vitamin tablets you get in... <laughs> B vitamins. Wherever they are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's, but, wrong, what's wrong with a Pepper's fry up? There's a plug. No, yeah. <laughs> there's absolutely Oh, there's a few nothing. things wrong. No, no, I can tell you there's a few things wrong. One, Steve's there. No, he's not. He's not there in the mornings. Oh, is he not? No, he's, more, he's usually there in the afternoons. Is, is Steve oh, ever okay. actually... Oh, I thought he was a punter. Oh, he's the manager. Mm. No, that's, that's not the right <laughs> term. He watches shit Netflix films. That's all he ever does. Um, anyway, so listen, you, you had a few... So you went back to UK, you went through the pandemic because we're, we're, we're yeah. pushing time here. Right. Um, and then unfortunately, you, your father passed away. And it was like, was that the moment? And forgive me if I'm saying this out of line, but, but was that the moment when, do you know what? I just need to get out of here. Yeah. Exactly, it was. It's, and, and may I ask? And once again, I apologise. Did you know that your father was going to? No, die, it was. It, it was rapid. A... It was rapid. I, I was, I was back from the Arctic Circle. So I was working up there. That well, that's fucking boring. But the NHS. What? No, oh, I, okay. I left the NHS awesome. and I was offered a job in the North Pole. So before I came here, I was in the North Pole. Right. Okay. And we'll just leave that. Don't worry about that. That's not interesting in any way, shape, or form. Or you know. What were you doing in the North Pole? <laughs> Do you know what's even funny? I'm building an airport. <laughs> I went off... P- Listen, I went off pissed. Pissed? Peace. Went off pissed, oh. I think is the expression. Well, I think you did both, actually. I went, I went off pissed and went if, off pissed. If you're building an airport, pissed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like, is it straight? Oh, no, fuck it, that'll do. Mate, yeah, if, you work, if you work with the Danes, yeah. mate, it is, they are pissed, to be fair, generally. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, but, so you built an airport in I am, North Pole. They're still building. it? No, I didn't Lazy. finish it. Yeah, <laughs> I would have gone and finished it, but obviously things happened. I, I, I it snowed. It snowed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, did we land? Uh, we're yeah, not expecting that. that. Coming down. <laughs> That's going to slow us down. Where's the runway gone? Yeah. yeah. So I, I came. I basically mixing concrete must be really hard in the mixer. I mean, I mean, you can only do it minor. It's minus five. At minus point five. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I was, I was I worried nothing, about that. Listen, I have nothing to I'm do. Glad with, I know that now, Russ. With concrete. 
I had nothing to do with actual like I did. Ma- I was managing people. Well, I was managing people not to get drunk. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite funny. You failed, <laughs> I believe. The airport hasn't been built still. It's behind by twelve months. But there you go. Um, but again, in your working with Inuit people, amazing. You know, so because kind of thing of, the, of management is like working with diverse communities. That's what I've done. You know, whether you're in the military, in the countries you work and whatever. Anyway, so yeah, I did that and. Um, Dad fell ill. I got back just in time for Dad. I was with him when he passed. And then dealt with all the things that people have to deal with when they lose a parent. You know, you don't expect it. And like I said, I jumped on a plane September. I thought my dad would would have said, go and have that holiday. So I did. Um, You'd obviously been in touch with Russell throughout the whole time that... Yeah. Yeah, well, we caught up. I was back in the summer and we caught up. um, Just, I think it was a week before the funeral, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? And Russell's been a, a, an all serious now. He's been a, an amazing friend all the way through that because I'm not going to lie, there were certain struggles in these periods of time where if I didn't have that friendship with him and with certain other people, you know, I would be in a much worse place. But anyway, no, he said, you know what, get your ass on a plane, come here. I got here. I fell in love with the place, you know, um, oh, not him. Okay, just checking. I already loved him, but don't tell, <laughs> me, don't tell, don't tell Marina that. Um, Anyway, She's no. not listening, don't worry. Not, <laughs> not after my comment, anyway. She'd have switched off by now. <coughs> She'll switch you on, off. Yeah. <laughs> Permanently, she, oh dear. But yeah, um, I came and he offered me his home to stay in. Beautiful place. I went and explored the island and met some wonderful people. I know, heard. Just, Very just, quickly. Be, just before we get on with this, Jake. Yeah. You must have been in that situation. Where, what, in the know, North Pole? No, with no. Dames we're, we're building an airport. Well, you've had a friend that's, yeah, I'm going to come out and stay for a couple of weeks. They've come out and stayed for a couple of weeks and it's, been a couple of months. Russell, how long have you known me for? <laughs> Good point, well made. Know your audience, Russell. Know your audience. What friends are yeah, we talking about? Yeah. I just have to say, on the point where you were serious about him, he's helped me through some times as well. So I have to say, although I hate him um, with a passion, mm-hmm. that's Russell I'm talking about, not my son who's sat over there. Um, hi, Ru- hi, <laughs> hi, Russell. What's your name? Ashton. Um, he is a good boy, Russell, by mm-hmm. the way. So that's, but no more. Do I, a, do I get a treat for that? No. I got you some Oh, you did? Because it yes. was your birthday yesterday. Oh. Was your birthday the same day as well? No, mine's next week. But oh, well, shut up then, because it doesn't matter. Um, happy birthday, <laughs> Russell. We'll do yours next Oh, this comes out next week. What day next week? Oh, it's the 9th, I think. Wednesday, I think. Is that Wednesday? Oh, it was your birthday yesterday. Tomorrow. This comes out Tuesday. No, it comes out... Th- I've moved it to Thursday now. That's how much you don't oh. listen anymore. Thanks, mate. Oh, so next Thursday. No wonder we, our figures have dropped down. You've stopped listening. <laughs> I was thinking, what's going on? We've, we've got two... We're down, we're down we're to down, four. What's going down, on? We're down two people. That's me. I don't listen because I have to edit the whole thing. I'm bored of it all now. No, I'm not. I love the podcast. I listen to it eight times because that helps the figures go up. That's what I do with my YouTube channels, I have to be fair. Um, anyway, where were we? So, yeah, you went... Did yeah. you get on a plane? Have you ever been to Asia before? No, apart from the Malacca Straits, I'd never... So, yes. Yeah, but... <laughs> I didn't was was she good or not? <sighs> you know, she was ginger. Malacca. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Um, anyway. At least she uh, was straight. Yeah. No, not, not per se, no. I'd never been to Thailand. Everyone else I knew had been to Thailand, but I hadn't. And yeah. And so then no. you got here and you had no idea what you You didn't want to stay. You weren't thinking no. about staying. I came here on a holiday. I was booked on a Turkish Airlines flight back on the 9th of September. Was it the 9th of October? October, yeah. 9th of October. Um, yeah, that was me. I was going to have a break. Then get back straight back up to the Arctic in some shape, way or form, and do whatever I was going to do. Well, there's no airport up there, so you wouldn't have flown up there. <laughs> really long sail, isn't it? It's One of those ice breaking boats. <laughs> so then you decided to, and then all of a sudden you got offered a job, I hear. 
Yeah, so, um, I don't know we've mentioned it before, I, I went out with a friend of mine, with Kat, um, for a goodbye kind of drink, you know, and dinner. Oh, okay, so you, there was a little rela- uh, a relationship, yeah, yeah, I met, had, I a met holiday some... relationship had happened, and then you went out for dinner, and you went, do you know what, I, I'm going to stay. Was it a, ho- no, I don't know. <laughs> holiday relationship. Was it more than that? Was it love? Well, listen, right, I it was the, my the, fault. The, the, it was his fault, he introduced me to her. It was an 80s night. Can I just say, I've been single for how many years? <laughs> right? <laughs> Old Stan I, I, I here. I preempt right? yeah. Stan here comes out for five minutes and you hook him up with a hot chick. They have a bit of rumpy, bumpy, boom, boom time. He then stays and he's all happy as Larry and I'm still here. Lonely. Lonely, Russell. Yeah, you're selfish. Like, why did you not help him out? You're what have you ever done for me? What have you ever... You helped me carry a bed. Tried. You carry the... I really want to yeah. say something now, but given the present company, I'm going to hold off. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Because I fucking tried at that point. Right, was it? Which one? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. No, I, see, I, see, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yeah, okay, good. Um, yeah, so... Let's move on. Got, got drunk with a Welsh chick. She broke her toe. That was quite funny. Fell in a lake. And then... But that was all... That, that was not a euphemism, That was the first night. That was the first night. But yeah, and then... Um, I got Steve, Steve Barrett from Peppers. I was walking away and we, me and Kat had a discussion because I'd once run a, a pub for six months in Torquay, of all places. Um, again, I was just helping someone out, ex-military guy got a pub. I said, yeah, I'll do it. They went back to Canada. So I came and we were just talking about that. And then it was like, I was leaving. I was never going to be in Peppers again because this was a Thursday and we were going to Bangkok on the Friday, That's weren't right, we? Yeah. And then I was leaving. Sorry, sorry. I, you were going to Bangkok. You weren't going to Bangkok. Correct. Just yes. checking. Okay, yes. good. And Grammar is important. <laughs> on that point, I think it was very important. Um, so we flew back from Bangkok on the Saturday and I was leaving three hours later. So that was the plan. You know, Bangkok and then gone. See you later, Russ. <laughs> it's, been, it's, been, it's been emotional. Yeah. So you um, banged his cock and then you're going to leave him three hours later. Listen, Marina was there. So was Kat, but it doesn't matter. We were banging up. <coughs> we was in Bangkok. So, yeah. Steve came enough. out and said to me, he said, hey, I, would you be in, have you ever run a pub before? And I went, that's weird. It's like, was he listening to the conversation? I said, well, yes. yeah, I have. Probably. <laughs> True. And he went, yeah. I said, yeah, I said, well, Claire, um, was wondering if you were interested in taking over Soul Shack as a manager. I was like, and Kat looked at me and I looked at her and she's like, we both drawers jobs. I went, what? Because to be fair, I, I had kind of fallen in for this Catherine woman. Oh, uh, I thought it was I'd fallen for Soul Shack. <laughs> I love the place. The sticky floor, the smell Hold of on. old beer. I love this place. The toilet right by the DJ stand. So when you're DJing, all the horrible people come out and they try to shake your hand after they've just had a pee. And you're like, ah, seriously, back off. Sorry, that was my have experience you, from Soul Shack. Have you been in there recently? Uh, no, not, not since you've been there. And I've heard it's all glittering gold now and it's sparkling clean and there's not one horrible, nasty person in there at all. Awesome. Exactly. Hmm. No, I actually quite like Soul Shack. I do. We've had, we've had a couple of nights yeah. in there with Russell. I don't go there. I live on the other side of the island. So oh, okay. I don't okay. often because then it's... Not anymore, it's you don't. No, I still live on the other side of the island. I live even further on the other side of the island now. You fucking don't. To Soul Shack, I do. No, you don't. You're closer. I'm further away. You're closer. I'm by the sea. I'm by the sea on the other place. Anyway, it doesn't matter where I live at a marina. Not marina. My Spe- marina. Spe- you live in a marina? I live in a marina. Not in that marina. Speaking my of marina. by the sea. Yes. Uh, well, you, what? So you live on a boat? Why would I live on a boat? That's a marina. No, marina's his girlfriend. I live at a marina. 
in oh, a house. He's not in a but marina. You've been in a marina, though. He's you? been in it a few times. And you've been in a marina. I've never been in his marina. Have you been in his marina? Have you been in a marina? You've been in my marina. That's true. You moved my bed in my marina. Did, what? Yeah. And you, lift, like, you lifted my tank in my marina. I didn't. I, a proper I, I, tank, not one of your tanks, which is a gun or a weapon on it. I don't know which it's called. What's that? Is that a gun or a weapon on the tank? It's just me a weapon because it's got a shell. No. Don't look at me like that. You rolled your eyes at me then. and really gave me the evil. Oh, fucking, I told you, it's not a gun. It's a fucking weapon, mate. Seriously. It's a self-propelled I've weapon. I've got a bayonet. I'm going to stab you. It's not a self-propelled. It doesn't do it itself. Yeah, it does. Self-propelled, isn't it? What is it's not self No, no. Do you want to get it? something to fire itself? I'll tell you what. You know what, fuck I'll, it, I'm going to shoot. I'll and tell you what. Ready, I'll fucking I'm firing myself anyway. Ashton's got a game with tanks at self This, this is, listen, right? I'm going to tell you like I tell the teacher, right? Google it. I'll, I'll, I'll bank my <laughs> 20 years experience you like against, against your Google. Teacher. Oh, yeah, I mean, I've got a girlfriend as a teacher, didn't I tell you? Oh, you've mentioned her a few times. You're in love. Uh, anyway, back to Soul Shack. No, yeah, I do, so, I, I DJ that Soul Shack a couple of times. I do hate the fact the toilets are right by the DJ stand because I know a lot of people um, who I don't particularly want to touch. And when they go and have their toilet, that's, they then That's come basically out. any person. Yeah. Uh, any, yeah, you're right, yeah. any person. Oh, well, you're here, Jay. When are you coming back to DJ? I retired a long time ago. The only person I, I ever came out of DJ, last time I came out of DJing was for him, for his birthday. Would you do it for me? For I your think, birthday next week. I no, 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 no. I no, reckon no. should do it for a 90s night. Yeah, I think a 90s night. Yeah. I'll do 90s night and that's it. Are we oh, the- yes. <laughs> okay, let's have this conversation off air because um, we are pushing on. So yeah. y- you're here. Soul Shack is, you're now managing Soul Shack, which Absolutely. is in Chantelay, which is in, what's that called? Tindley Place? Tindley Place. Tindley Place. Yeah. Yeah. And how's it going? Are you enjoying it? Absolutely love it. Um, um, I met some amazing, I've got some amazing staff, you know, um, amazing people that come through the doors. It's diverse. Um, you know, they offer, it's just, it's a real fun environment to be in. And if you go back to the beginning of this podcast, we worked in some places that were not fun. <laughs> this place is fun. People are fun. They have a good time. Um, they leave happy, you know, and the vibe is just, it's, it's really cool. It's, it's a nice vibe. It's a nice it vibe. It's a cool place. Yeah. It yeah. Is a cool There's place. no pressure. It, it doesn't, it, it's just cool. And again, you know, I'm quite lucky in the fact the people that employed me are really good, you know, and that's always a bonus being here. Yeah. No, Claire's know. a beautiful person. I love yeah. that. And I saw her the other day at the, the charity event. I was mm. emceeing that that you didn't come to. <laughs> um, but I was an amazing MC, by the way. I bet you were awesome. But yeah. I, I mentioned lesbians once. <laughs> you mentioned dead horses? No, I was told not to. I got the pep talk when I got right, there. Okay. I was told not to swear. I've got two pep talk, one from the guy that sent me there and one from the people that were organising it. Asking me not to swear. It's probably just as well, isn't it? <laughs> but the funny thing is, is I win. Sorry, but, but when we Russ and I MC, I'm the one that gets the pep talk. But you're the one that swears all the time. Yeah, I'm the one that causes all the grief. He gets the blame for and it, and I get the blame for everything. It's fucking brilliant. Oh well, I love it. <laughs> um, so back to Soul Shack. So what have you, your plans are? You're going to stay. You're going to change. Stay, it, you're going to do some events. You're going to do some cool stuff. Listen, we happenings. had a, we had a really good Halloween. You know, I saw that. I saw um, that. And it really went. The feedback from that was great. <laughs> just two seconds. I've done well. You have done well, but that was really loud and awful. Sorry. Do you want to die quietly? Halloween, really good. Um, the feedback was great and we all had fun. You know, again, <laughs> it was kind of funny because it brought out the old school of me and him, you know, where, because if you know Russ, Russ is like yourself, I'm going to give you a compliment. You know, they're very much party people and he helped me with the promotion of it and stuff. Great. And we had a good night. The people loved it. We had a fun stress competition. I didn't win. One of us should have won it. We should have won, yeah. to be fair. I saw your dress. I didn't know your dress up, to be honest, but I saw his. He shouldn't have won. <laughs> no, he wasn't dressed up. That was his usual attire. Yeah. Have you seen his I shirts? I put a wig on and that was about I, it. Listen, I've seen 
Worse. Cowboy boots. I've seen dresses. I've seen all sorts of stuff. Yeah. He loves it. To be fair, Marina should have won. Actually, yeah. Yeah, so she should have won. And if not, if she wasn't supposed to win, she should have won because otherwise she just beat people <laughs> up. But anyway, um, yeah, and going forward, um, yeah, we are going to start doing some events. I think that once once a month we, we want to mix it up a little bit i think and that, but i want to ask the people what they want what, what's missing you know it's kind of hold on and this a, is the perfect platform to do so because bus- we a business owner asking the people what they want yeah i want to wow. know i want to know what is you know changdelay it's 3t wasn't it i want to know chang sorry my segue the fact that you know that shantelay and the fact Shantelay. that you know it as well yeah um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what is missing? What can we do? And I mean, the night is night is is definitely something that I want to go with. You know, if it will do it once, if it if it works, because there's people that I think there's a, an area like us four year old people. You know, the nineties vibe still. That and then well, nineties well, music is coming back, especially yeah. in the clubs, and, and it's changed. So all the club, all the house music that we were partying to is mm-hmm. now coming back, and it's being mixed into yeah. modern exactly. music. Exactly. So all the yeah. DJs, even at Catch now, I was Fred Jung goes down. No, he was here actually, where we are at Blue Chip at the moment. He was DJing and then dropping a load of old nineties house stuff in. It's very very cool. And that's so it's definitely and that's, making a comeback. Yeah. And that's what I mean and, and, and that's why I'm asking yourselves, you know, these that's what we want to do, but we want to start making Sunday afternoons, you know, sometimes it's a quiet period, what can we do for that? But yeah, we've got some ideas that are coming up. Cool man. Um so yeah. Well look, it's been an absolute pleasure. We're going to have to um finish with you, so to speak. We'll finish it's, you it's, off. Be, it's been emotional. I think you finished them off a long time ago. Mm. 20 years ago. But no, it's an absolute pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. It was a last minute um, thing to get you on, so to speak. Russell and you, and was you set to, a record. As... Ru- well, Russell was supposed to ask you last week, but he didn't. And it just so happened that I... I didn't have asked... to ask him. I just told him we were doing it. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's in my house. It's like, hey, I, it's just... I didn't this... realise you were living together. That makes this whole me sending messages <laughs> well, well, over was, the last couple of days well, that was ridiculous. The, yeah, I know, but that was, the, that was the, the, the funny part of it. Hey, Joe, you've been in that position where a friend said, hey, I'm going to come out for a... You know, a week or so and they come out and for a week and then two they weeks just keep and then all of a sudden it's you know six years later and they're still fucking here okay. it must be tough for you to have him <laughs> and his teacher it's not in the slightest actually oh really we're, we're actually jokes that we're, we're kind of like passing ships in the night so you come he in works, is there a bowl when you put these you put the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and see what happens in the morning yeah basically there's a sock on the handle you, you stay clear he's happy because with the teacher I get to be out of the house for two days a week he gets the house to himself mm-hmm. so he can make lots of noises and, and during the day he's asleep and I'm at work yeah in the evening he goes well actually I'd like to get some sleep but every time I try to get some sleep you make a noise and my fucking house oh yeah I forgot sorry <laughs> no idea where that's gone <laughs> anyway Stan, the new manager of Soul Shack in Chantelay. Go and check it out. Make sure you do. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. I'm going to go and find a gun or a weapon or something. Cheers, buddy. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed your beers. Thanks. No worries. Cheers, Stan. Cheers, Rich. Rich, Rich. Russell. Stan. You've gone off a cliff here. I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's happened. That's the end of the podcast. Goodbye. Bye.